Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 284, starting off with security news. Some reason, tons of articles this time, like 15 different stories in this section. All right, so the U.S. is elevating ransomware to the level of terrorism. This comes during the fallout from the colonial incident, which did result in the shutting down of a key U.S. oil pipeline. But it turns out it wasn't actually a cyber attack. As I've talked about before, and many others have talked about, it was an attack on their IT systems, and they kind of didn't mean to do it. But because, well, there's some disputes about exactly how this went down, and only the insiders actually know. But it looks like because the IT systems were down, they weren't able to charge for the oil that was going out. And they also cited concern that it could spread or whatever. So. They decided to shut it down until they can get control of it. So, anyway, many are worried that this escalation in rhetoric and focus could result in an escalation in responses and make kinetic conflicts with countries that house ransomware groups more possible. For example, Russia. The FBI has issued a flash warning regarding the exploitation of Fortinet vulnerabilities by APT groups. Attackers are actively scanning for the VMware vCenter vulnerability. As someone uh, really smart said one time, the best time to patch was last week, and the second best time is right now. The U.S. has seized two domains used by APT29 Cozy Bear which is associated with Russia's SRV. The domains were used to host phishing sites that impersonated USAID and prompted users to download the attacker's Cobalt Strike payload. CISOs released best practices for mapping to MITRE attack. Google released a new experimental tool. It's at the URL deps.devdeps.dev. That maps dependencies for software components looks really cool. Covers NPM, Go, Maven, Cargo, and others. A Fortinet survey found that 90% of OT organizations have experienced a cyber incident in the last year. 90%. TikTok just changed its privacy policy to allow itself to, quote, collect biometric identifiers and biometric data, unquote from its users, including, quote, face prints and voice prints, unquote. And that would imply camera and mic access, which is kind of scary. The FBI is trying to get the IPs, phone numbers, and other data on people who read a USA Today article within a specific 35-minute time frame. And USA Today is fighting the request. So evidently, this involved some sort of um, attack on FBI agents, and there was just a lot of drama around it, and the case was pretty heavy as well. And 
they, I don't know, this is pure speculation, but it, it seems like they think that the actual attackers or the people responsible that they're looking for might have tried to access the, the thing. I mean, this seems like the only logical explanation could be wrong, but yeah, they're asking USA Today for the logs and uh, they're fighting it. Iran lost its largest warship after it caught fire and sunk in the Gulf of Oman. There was also a major fire at an oil refinery serving Tehran, and uh, Israel had no comment. A consultant at Mandiant says the colonial network was initially compromised through a hacked password on a VPN that had no 2FA. They're not sure exactly how someone got that password. They didn't see any evidence of phishing. But, yeah, they got the password, and there wasn't 2FA, so they got in. The FBI is currently investigating around 100 different types of ransomware. And that uh, brings us back to the previous article, talking about how this is all being treated similar to terrorism at this point. Seems like they would need more people and more skill sets to deal with this stuff. You only have one day left to opt your Amazon devices out of Amazon Sidewalk, which joins certain Amazon devices with those of your neighbors, allowing the devices to share internet access. Sidewalk is basically a neighborhood mesh network that will be used to do all sorts of cool stuff in the future. I think Sidewalk is really cool. I, I think the tech is super exciting, but I don't much like the idea of being automatically enrolled into stuff. You know, mesh networks are cool, but they should be opt-in, not opt-out. Cobalt Strike continues to be one of the most popular security-originated tools being used by attackers. In an earlier story, used that as well. Police requests for Amazon Ring camera footage will now be required to be public. So there was a whole bunch of private behind closed doors requests. They were just going to different neighborhoods and requesting the footage, and it was being supplied, and there was pushback on that, so now they're all going to be public. Vulnerabilities. Cisco releases updates for multiple products due to a SAML implementation issue. And Sentinel-1 has filed for a $100 million IPO. FireEye and Mandian have split apart in a $1.2 billion private equity deal. And Redacted is a monitoring and response company that's come out of stealth and taken another $35 million in funding. Technology news. Microsoft is announcing the next major version of Windows on June 24th, which is super exciting. Hope there's fewer ads. Ben Thompson of Stratechery has launched a new service called Passport, which is a technology platform that others would use to run a service just like Stratechery. So this is the replacement for Memberful and MailChimp, which is what unsupervised learning uses as well. In fact, he was one of the first systems that was fully unified and used all the different products to pull it all together, and that's what I emulated unsupervised learning off of. So this is his replacement that he built with some other people to replace that stack with his own technology, his own tool. It's really weird, though, because he announced this in a blog post, which, of course, I linked to here in the, in the notes. And uh, 
It's not clear if it's actually launched, though. It, it seems like you could sign up to get more information on it, but there's no link in the blog post to like go sign up for the service. Because I think I would definitely consider migrating over to it. I mean, he's used my same stack for all these years and seen all the problems and benefits of it. And I'm sure he's built that knowledge into this new platform. But it sounds like he's trying to release an open source tool. And maybe that's what Passport is, but it, it's not clear. It, it's like It sounds like a launch, but he didn't seem to release anything. So I signed up for notes, and I'll be following the story. Keep you updated. Lemonade, which uses AI to price home and renter insurance, is moving into car insurance. This is a really cool thing. It uses AI, supposedly, to figure out, I don't know, if it's analyzing crime data, geography data. I, I have no idea what it's all looking at. Who knows if it's real AI or not, but it does, it's kind of like banking uh, or um, fintech in the sense that it's highly disruptive to like old school insurance where it's like, you know, fill out these 94 forms or whatever and just kind of stodgy. But uh, this system is super slick. It's got a website and an app and uh, yeah, I probably need to reach out to them, see if they want to support the show. Now, I hear myself ranting about it, but um, yeah, it's super cool. I love this concept of disruption and that uh, it's easy to tell when disruption is needed. It's find a thing that everyone has to do that completely sucks. Okay, insurance is one of those things. Buying a house is one of those things. Um, banking used to be one of those things. And those are things that are being disrupted by technology that make them a lot easier. Um, credit cards, stuff like that. Like incorporating chat and messaging into an interaction mechanism so that you can actually talk to people very quickly if you have a problem with a credit card. I mean, that's all really innovative stuff. So that's kind of a, a way to figure out a list of startups that you should make. If you don't have your own ideas, right? Just think about what does what do humans have to do on a regular basis that's just grown inspiring. You absolutely hate it. It's kludgy. It takes forever. It's painful the entire way. And those are places to potentially use tech to disrupt the market and make some money. U.S. military is looking at SpaceX's Starship project as an option for sending supplies around the planet using rockets. Quote, a rocket can get around the world in 90 minutes and an airplane cannot, unquote. Indeed. KPMG says car makers will lose $100 billion in revenue in 2021 due to the semiconductor shortage. Landsweeper has raised $158 million to continue doing IT asset management. Project 44 raised $202 million to work on supply chain insights. And DIRAC, or DRAC, raised $17.3 million to innovate in software-based audio solutions. Basically, it's software that analyzes bounces that comes, uh, come out of speakers and basically readjusts the speakers using DSP to 
have them play differently based on the room that they're in, which gives you a flat speaker response and uh, makes it overall sound better. And uh, this is part of the world that I've been diving into ever since the pandemic started. So somewhat familiar with them. Human news, U.S. jobless claims have dropped to 385,000, another pandemic low, dropping unemployment nationwide to 5.8%. Israeli scientists have increased the lifespan of mice by 23% by increasing a protein that wanes during aging. And now they're looking to reproduce the results, hopefully, in humans within, they said, around two to three years. New research out of Georgia Tech indicates that one's baseline pupil size is correlated to their intelligence. A new study has found that employees often feel vulnerable and paranoid when they feel powerless at work, and that this can cause them to lash out at coworkers or family members. This definitely corresponds to my own personal thoughts on management, which prioritizes enablement and psychological safety. Specifically, and this was a, um, it was like a Picard thing. Uh, it's a an account I follow on Twitter. Basically, it's like Picard management tips. And it said, if you want someone to be more responsible, give them more responsibility. And I think that's very powerful. And I think it corresponds with this. If you give people the ability to make change and do things that actually matter, they will feel valuable and therefore they're less likely to be petty and toxic in this sort of way. And I think that's the solution to running a good team is have healthy people on it. Hence psychological safety and all these other facets of that. France has imported America's culture wars, including a far-right news channel and cancel culture, and it's not going well for them. California is moving quickly to legalize certain hallucinogens, with MDMA and psilocybin likely becoming legal soon. I think this is going to be a boon for mental health, honestly, but also for medical practices that are able to prescribe these substances in concert with therapy. And I actually know at least one person who is planning to launch a practice combining therapy with these substances, one or more of these substances. And I think it's going to go extremely well. I think it's going to be super helpful. There's such great research around MDMA and PTSD and how if you use therapy along with MDMA, to talk through like the traumatic incidents in the past, it it works wonders. And it could actually be as good or much better. Actually, I think it said it was much more effective than like the traditional drugs that we've been using. So I'm excited about that. Content ideas and analysis. I really hope it's aliens. So the government says there's no evidence this is from a new report that strangely acting UAPs, they've been saying, are alien in origin, but they also can't explain them. So I, for one, really hope that they're alien. <laughs> if they are, they could have killed us a long time ago if they wanted to, which means they're probably benign. But if they're not, 
alien, that means they are terrestrial, which means we're being severely trounced by Russia or China in drone technology. And my guess is, unfortunately, that the latter is far more likely than the former, which means we're being severely trounced by Russia or China in drone technology, or both. Notes, I'm really looking forward to rereading Speaker for the Dead for Book Club this month. Also looking forward to reading Noise by Daniel Kahneman and some other authors that he wrote that with. And I'm currently still finishing the few that I'm wrapping up now. I'm also wondering why it's still so cool in the Bay Area. Kind of really worried it's about to get nuclear hot since it's been cold for so long. Discovery. Oh shit, Git a website that describes how to fix your Git mistakes. PageFetch. Detectify has released a Go-based headless Chrome client to be used for security testing. Really excited about this one. I wrote my own a while back, and I was getting ready to go and just see if it still worked and everything, but now this thing's out. Really excited about it. I wonder if Tom Nom Nom wrote this thing since he works at Detectify. Kind of has a signature on it. Way Cooler, a tool that crawls a website and creates a custom word list for use in security testing. NoCodeDB, turn a database into a smart spreadsheet. It's basically like an Airtable alternative. And Kubernetes Goat, an intentionally vulnerable cluster environment for the purpose of learning Kubernetes security. Modern Bastion Hosts, really cool article that talks about all the different facets of securing a Bastion host in the current day, 2021. You May Live a Lot Longer, really cool piece by David Brooks about all the advances in technology and how we could kind of foresee a moment where someone could be 80 years old and wake up and go for a bike ride and, I don't know, do some yoga or whatever. And James Hoffman's Guide to Coffee Grinders. This guy is the guru of coffee on YouTube. He's my favorite coffee guy. And uh, he just released a new guide to coffee grinders, which I'm pretty sure I already know a lot about since uh, I was onto his stuff a couple years ago. And I think I've mostly made my selections, but I saw a few in the lineup that look intriguing. Hopefully, I will not be adding to my stable of coffee grinders. Recommendations? Definitely check out my book summary of Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Frick. The book and my summary of it are actually much better than I remember. I just reread it just now. Someone had sent it to me, or I forgot. It somehow came, maybe it was on Twitter or something, but very high wisdom density in this book. The summary that I put together, like every line that I wrote, which was a capture of some concept in the book, is worthy of the aphorism uh, of the week. And in fact, one of them is the aphorism for the week. And it's just really high quality. I read it twice in a row today. I mean, it only takes a couple minutes to read it, but it's a really good summary. You should check it out. And the aphorism for the week. What most people, especially educated, pampered, middle-class white people, consider life problems, 
are really just side effects of not having anything more important to worry about. What most people, especially educated, pampered, middle-class white people, consider quote-unquote life problems are really just side effects of not having anything more important to worry about. Mark Manson. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And here's your next podcast.